Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Would you take your Bibles and open them, please, to the book of Acts? We're going to start in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at a few different sections in the book of Acts today in a Bible study that I've entitled, Continue On in the Faith. That's the word of the Lord to us today. God is saying to our church and to the church that it is time to continue on in the faith. That is the proper response, church, to trials and tribulations. The proper response to pains and problems and difficulties and trials is to continue on in the Lord, to continue on with the Lord, to take the next step and to do the next thing. It's important for us to remember that the calling of the believer is to a life of problems and trials and difficulties. That is what God has called you to. It's not a life of comfort and ease. It's not a life that will get easier, but rather a life that's filled with difficulties as we storm the gates of hell to save as many people as possible. You are in the spiritual battle, and part of the spiritual battle is great difficulty and oppression and spiritual warfare. It's not unlike what was given to Saul of Tarsus here in cha chapter 9 of the book of Acts. Ananias was given the charge to go talk to this guy and bring him into the family and encourage him. And Ananias, notice what he was told in verse 13 of Acts chapter 9. Ananias was told, well, he tells the Lord, Lord, I've heard about from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, you go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. We share in that calling. How many things we must suffer for his name's sake. And if you try to sidestep this, you're trying to sidestep the will of God for your life. If you try to avoid it, if you seek to make your life more comfortable and more easy, at the same time matching that with compromise and, and compromise upon compromise and trying not to follow the Lord or trying to ease up a little bit or trying to step back or trying to take a break. Listen, you are trying to sidestep the very will of God for your life. You have been called to difficulty and trials. Jesus himself reiterated it when he said, in this world you will suffer. In this world you will suffer. I will suffer. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I know sometimes we think that we're the only ones suffering the way we are. Especially in times like this where there's more of an isolation happening. There has been more pulling back and kind of being on our heels more than pressing forward. We begin to think like we're the only ones suffering. We begin to think that we're the only ones going through it. And in one way, that's true. You are the only one going through what you're going through. You have your own personality, your own upbringing. There are trials and temptations that are heavy for you that aren't heavy for others. And so in some ways, that is true. 
There is a uniqueness to the suffering. However, you're not the only one going through trials. And you're not the only one suffering. And you're not the only one that's battling. And you're not the only one that is fighting for your own spiritual life. We're all suffering. As a matter of fact, trials and tribulations come to believers and unbelievers. Come to people that love God and people that hate God. It's something that we all share in common. It's something that's shared by everyone. But specifically in the church, suffering in the church of Jesus Christ has been with us from the very first day the church started. You could say this, suffering and trials and difficulties have been with the followers of God since the fall of Adam and Eve when sin entered into the world. It's just part of, it's part of life. It's part of what we're going to experience. And throughout the book of Acts, followers of Jesus have met with opposition, with oppression, with governmental wickedness, and a whole host of evil, nefarious plots to destroy lives. Yet, the church of Jesus Christ has survived every single plot against it. Every single one. There hasn't been one plot against the church of Jesus that has been successful. You know how I know? You're here today. And from generation to generation to generation, the church of Jesus is still moving. The Bible says, Jesus said, that even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The true church, the church that he's building, which is the church I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of what God is doing, because whatever God is doing, even though the gates of hell comes against it, it will survive. And the church of Jesus Christ will stand until he returns to deliver us and to take us home. You can know you're going to make it through this. The church of Jesus is going to make it through every trial and every difficulty. You personally in your own trials, you're going to make it through this. I mean, this is a truth to hang on to, a truth to hold on to. If you want to make it, you're going to make it. <laughs> if you want to make it, you're going to make it. However, if you don't want to make it, you won't. Like, like if you want to persevere, God will meet you there and you'll persevere. If you want to quit, He'll allow you to quit. You want to run away? He'll allow you to run away. If you don't want to make it, you won't make it. When it comes to standing strong in Jesus Christ, God has promised you that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with every temptation, he will provide the way of escape. He will give the strength that's needed to persevere, to endure. And the word of God for us today is to continue on in the faith, no matter what we face. He wants you to continue on. You see, in the book of Acts, they face trial after trial after trial. For some reason, there is this thought today that the trials and tribulations that come against the church are somehow going to hurt the church. They don't hurt the church. The church isn't hurt in the human realm. The church is only hurt when the church isn't the church. The church is only held back when the church isn't the church. Listen, you got to let the world be the world, but the church has to be the church. We've got to stand strong with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to face, like we think trials, oh, woe is me, woe is me, I'm not going to make it through. No, God is with you. You're going to make it through. And throughout history, Every true response to difficulties and trials have been spiritual growth of the church. A real response. Even, 
It's been said that the blood of the martyrs has been the seed of the church. That every time someone's taken down for the gospel, a thousand more rise up behind them to take territory. But I, I believe and I have sensed that over the last few months in this trial that we've all been sharing really globally as a, as a church community around the world, the church community has been going through, even the world has been sharing the same type of trial. I've been sensing in our own church that this particular trial has caused you to be on your heels in retreat rather than pressing forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all sorts of responses have come that haven't been biblical, that haven't been spiritual, that haven't been beneficial, and it's just infiltrated the church. And the church has been the most divisive, the most angry, the most destructive that I've ever seen in the 30 years that I've been walking with Jesus Christ. I've never seen this type of nastiness and destruction among believers ever in my life. And there's been great division, and it's caused great difficulty, and it's sapped there. It's, it has literally grieved the Holy Spirit and sapped the energy of the church so that we become a laughing stock among the community, no longer with the type of power of the Holy Spirit, no longer leaning on the Holy Spirit. And God has sent me with a word today to remind you, no matter what you're going through, whether it's your personal trials. You know, we talk about this trial that we've all been in together, but, you know, a lot of people have had their individual issues as well. <laughs> we've got our own issues. We've got our health issues. We've had di cancer diagnoses. We've had divorces. We've had addictions. I, I met a brother last night that they was brought up after service to be prayed for, and we prayed for him. We we're encouraging him, and the brother said, yeah, we're right after service, we're taking him down, and he's going to go into U-turn for Christ. And so, amen. So whenever that, whenever that shared with me, I looked him in the eye. I go, well, how long have you been sober? And the brother said, well, about two hours. Two hours. He's been sad. That's about the time of service. Yeah, two hours is good. But that's like, that means he's been battling till the moment he walked in the door. Like he's been fighting for his life till he walked in the door of this church. That it has been, I mean, literally a half hour before they decided to come to church is when he decided, I think I'm laying it down. And he's been living with this on top of unemployment, on top of the, the pressure of loneliness and isolation, on top of spiritual warfare, on top of the difficult, like that's our life. And when you live with the weight of pain and trial for so long, you look for a way out. And you look for a way of peace and comfort. And almost always, what gets lost is your personal walk with the Lord. It's not new to you and it's not new to me. The early church dealt with these things. And in the book of Acts, at least three times, we see this phrase, continue on or continue in. Let me show you the first one in Acts chapter 11, verse 23. There is always the way of escape, church. It's not compromise. It's not pulling back. It's not getting into a hobby more or trying to get some... It's, you got to get back into the things of God. The, the way of the world is not going to satisfy you. The way of the world is going to harm you. You, you can make all this progress and throw it away in a week in a month, and that's not God's will for your life. What God's will is for your life is, as we learn in Acts chapter 11, verse 23, his will for your life is to continue on in the Lord. No matter what you're facing today, notice 
in verse 23, it says, when he came, speaking of Barnabas in verse 22, Barnabas, you Bible students know, had a nickname. His nickname was Son of Encouragement. So Barnabas comes, the son of encouragement. He comes to this group of believers, and what? When he came, it says, verse 23, he had seen the grace of God, he was glad, and he encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. You are to continue with the Lord. We'll get to that in a moment. But how we need to be speaking about the Lord, thinking about the Lord, How we need to be men and women of the word and of prayer and of fasting. How we need to be men and women trusting God for our strength and our vitality. Trusting God for wisdom and direction. This is the time to continue with the Lord. This is not the time to lean on our own understanding. The Bible says lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because he'll direct your paths. In times of great difficulty... We need, number one, to continue with the Lord. Notice number two in chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Pick up there in verse 42. Acts 13, verse 42. And when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who speaking to them, listen, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Isn't that great? Don't just continue with the Lord, but secondly, continue in the grace of God. Well, you say, what do you mean, Ed? Well, the grace of God, that's how you and I, that's how you and I are introduced to Jesus. We learn about his unearned, undeserved, love and favor toward our lives. So many of us came and were like, man, I know the gospel was preached to me. I believed that God could love everyone in the room but me. And yet the Holy Spirit said, no, that's exactly what grace is. Grace is my love to you even though you don't deserve it. And what happens during trials, and this has happened. This has happened and maybe even happening. Maybe you even woke up this morning and posted something or said something or sent something even before you came to church. But listen, this is happening under trials and difficulties. I I have seen and heard and watched some of the most unloving, ungracious things being said and done than I've ever seen before. And for people in our church, people in our leadership, that are caught up in the frenzy and caught up in the things and caught up in, and I'm going to put my opinion, I'm going to, look, nobody wants your opinion. Your, maybe your opinion has become an idol to you. And your opinion is more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God would have me to share with you today that you are to continue in the grace of God. Graciousness and love. You're to speak the truth should you need to. How? In love. Showing preference to one another. That's a supernatural experience that God gives us his agape love so that we might, if need be, share the truth with someone in love. You're not helping the gospel by being so ungracious and being so nasty and so mean-spirited. Those are just things that are fleshly and human. It doesn't help the cause of Christ. It It doesn't make you any better light in a dark world. It doesn't make me any more salty in a flavorless world. It doesn't give me a greater witness when I'm not continuing in the grace of God. Not only that, but thirdly, notice in chapter 14. 
chapter 14. We're going to pick up in verse 19 when you get there. Acts chapter 14. It says, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, having persuaded the multitudes. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So here's the reward that Paul has received for loving and caring and serving and blessing a city with the gospel. They tried to kill him. Not only did they try to kill him, they believed that they were successful. When you think of stoning, I don't want you to think of the little rocks you might skip on a lake or the rocks that you might use in your landscaping. When they stoned a person, they would get the largest stone that they could carry. So they would get the heaviest stone and they would throw it and thrust it and you would throw one and they would throw one and they would throw one and they, until finally they go, I think he's dead. And in your mind, I want you to think of Paul. He is battered, and he is bloody, and he is bruised, and his whole robe is dirty and bloody, and his face is disfigured, and there he is dragged to the rubbish heap on the trash heap, this man of God. What was his reward for serving God? They threw him on the trash heap, stoned him, and left him for dead. What was the reward of Jesus in this hostile world? They crucified him. You know how they crucified him? Against the law. They broke the law of the land to hang Jesus on a Roman cross, an innocent man. Church, the governments of man will never approve of the church of Jesus Christ. You've got to understand that. The governments of man are hostile to the church of Jesus Christ. Even if they throw a bone now and then, that's all they're doing is throwing a bone. The church of Jesus is is, is a threat to this hostile culture. You don't fit in. That's why it's a waste of trying trying to fit in, trying to assert, trying to stand up. The church is essential. Listen, we don't need to say that. It is. It's by definition. That's the truth. Now, whether the world acknowledges that or not, I know for many years I didn't acknowledge it. I could care less about the church. There was nothing you could do to convince me until I was born again. Oh, when I was born again, I've got new life and my eyes are open. And everything changed about my life. Look, the, 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 the world system that you're in, the governance of man, will never approve of the church. They'll never approve of you standing there and going, you know what, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. And you need to repent of your sin. Sin? Sin? Oh, we don't allow that kind of language around here. No, we've got a brand new language. We've accommodated that sinful behavior. We don't believe in sin. And some of them would even say this. We don't believe in sin anymore. We're secular. We do things our way. We don't have anything to do with religion. And even that accommodation, well, you know, we'll kind of let you. No, we don't need permission. We do what the Lord tells us to do. And we trust Him with our lives. And that might mean that you get stoned. And that could be the problem. You're afraid to get stoned. That's not an unusual fear. But you fear man. And because you fear man, you've fallen into the trap. And once you fear man, and you've fallen into that trap, You begin to only care what man cares about. And when you care only about what man cares about, then you don't have a sensitivity to hear the Spirit anymore. 
And so the Spirit's screaming and yelling and telling you what to do, and you're like, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. What about man? What about man? See, we need to learn how we need to learn how to trust in the Lord even when we're being stoned. And here's Paul. He gets stoned, almost left for dead, thrown on the trash heap. The disciples are all over him. And you can picture the scene. You know, this isn't just like a little prayer meeting, like maybe you come up and we lay hands. Like there's weeping and crying and there is praying and asking God to raise him from the dead. Like, like what happened to Paul? We love you, Paul. Get up, Paul. And you know what happens? Paul gets up. And when you've been stoned and when you've been beat down and when trials have had their way in your life, you need to get up, church. Get up and go right back in. Get up. Go right back in. Amen. It's time to get up. It's time to get up and go back in. And you go, well, no, no, don't, Paul, don't go back in. That's where they stoned you. And he goes, well, you know, he doesn't get up and say, oh, I'm going to go back in to the city. I'm going to find those guys that stoned me and I'm going to stone them. No. He knows and has a heart for the lost. So when he gets up, he's not getting up for himself. He's getting up for that city. He loves that city. He loves the lost. This is just a part of this, this situation. It's just a part of what God told him in the very beginning. I'm going to show him many things he's going to suffer for my sake. And the church at large today just doesn't want to suffer. Maybe you. You just don't want to suffer. And I don't mean that, that real feeling like nobody, like, like, like being sadistic about it, like, oh, oh yeah, I want to suffer. Me. I'm not meaning that because I, I think in a real way none of us really want to suffer. But I'm saying it this way. The church at large today doesn't want to suffer for the cause of Christ. They want accommodations. They want it both ways. And God is telling us in refining the church, you can't have it both ways. You never could have it both ways. And I want to show you what it looks like. You're going to need to learn to trust in me. You're going to need to learn how, how to live life when I take everything from you, when I change your entire life, when I flip everything upside down. Will you still trust me? Will you still trust me? Now, when we're not going through it, we're like, oh, yes, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. But God is saying, okay, now you're in the midst of it. Will you trust me still? You, you're, there you are. Everybody's abandoned you. Everybody's run away from you. Everybody's turned their back on you. And, and they've killed you for, your, for this message. What are you going to do? Get up and run? And Paul says, yeah, I'm going to get up and run right back into the city. And he didn't go for vengeance. He didn't go to get even. He didn't go to, a, you can't stone me. That's against the law. He went right back into the city, and he did what he normally did. He preached the gospel. Notice what happens here. He goes on in this section, and it says uh, in Acts 14, notice in verse 21, when they had preached the gospel, now they moved on to Derby. When they preached the gospel in that city, they made many disciples. You know, as I'm thinking about how so many people are posting today, so many people are putting, you know, it's one of the reasons why years ago I went off of Facebook because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach all the stuff I was reading and all the nastiness I was reading. Not only nastiness in general, but from people in our church, even leaders in our church, posting nasty stuff. Just like, What? That's, that has nothing to do with the Bible. That has nothing to do. You, you, you might be, you know, and so what happens is, is you, might be, you might be able to make your point, but I'm promising you, you're not making disciples. You make your point, and you said your point, and you won your argument, but you won nobody to Christ. You won nobody over to the love of God. And you typed it, and you wrote it, and I'll show them. You didn't show them anything but your own flesh. 
Because here, it's very clear. When they came to the next city, they made disciples. It's very clear, even in the midst of great trials and difficulties, that the command of Jesus is still the same. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy. And the only way you can make disciples is to evangelize, to share the gospel. Look, we don't want to be a church that's known as always making our points. We want to be a church known as making disciples. And I know trials and difficulties, they surface things. Some of you might be blaming the trial, and you go, well, look, if it wasn't for the trial, we wouldn't be writing things like that. If they didn't do this, then I wouldn't do that. No, 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 you misunderstand the whole scenario. Trials didn't make you do anything. The trial that you're in doing right now just revealed to you what's already inside of you. That's been in you for a long time. You know, it's kind of like the proverbial guy that's in the garage, the gal that's in the garage, they're hit with a hammer, 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 and then boom, instead of hitting the nail, they hit their thumb, and all of a sudden, every foul word and every, F this and F, oh, 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 and you're, you know, you run back in, what's happening, what's happening? Oh, you know, if I wouldn't have hit my thumb, I would have never said those bad words. No, 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 those hit words have been in your head and your heart for a long time. And just the occasion of hitting your thumb gave all of the mentality that you can now verbalize what's been inside of you all along. Trials reveal what's inside of you. They don't create what's inside of you. They're revealing to you and me areas of surrender and dedication. He went and he preached the, he made disciples and then notice, he did a couple of things. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and notice what they did. Number one, they strengthened the souls. They strengthen. That's what we need in trials. We need to be strengthened. The idea of this word in the original language is you need to be somebody that someone can lean on. That's what you do when you strengthen someone. It's like you're giving them a shoulder. You're going to lean on me. I'm here to support you in your weakness. Strengthening them, he says. He strengthened the soul. You can't strengthen the soul with just kind words, you know. You need to strengthen the soul with the word. You strengthen the soul of people by praying for them, fasting over their lives. You're spiritually strengthening. It's not just a pat on the back, although we'll take it. It's not just a little text message, no, we'll take it. But oh, you back that up with, man, I need, to, I need to be praying for you. I need to be sharing the word with you. God has sent me back with a word specifically for today. Why? To strengthen your soul. But not only that, number two, he also exhorted them. <laughs> Exhortation. This is the same word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit, parakaletos, and it's a different variation, but the same root word. It means to be comforted or to come alongside. But I want you to know something in your English Bibles. Whenever the translators translate this particular word, exhort, it's a deeper kind of encouragement. It's the kind of encouragement that's strong. It's almost like it's an encouragement that begs action. It's an encouragement, like it's a movement where encouragement has, when it generally encouragement lifts up and, and you know, you come alongside and say, it's going to be okay, brother. But when you exhort, you come alongside, it's going to be okay, brother. Now let's get going. And it moves you. And so that's what he's doing. He strengthens you and then he wants to move you. And we need to be moved, church. We can't be back on our heels anymore. We need to go forward with the gospel. This is a time of harvest. Yeah, I know you're going through trials. Maybe right now you're, way, you're saying, well, you know, when the trial passes, then I'll get back in. No, no, it's too late. All that time's wasted. 
The time to get back in is now, right now, to make a concerted effort right now to get up and go back, to get up and go in, to get up and fight for your marriage, to get up and fight for your kids, to get up and fight for the truth, to get up and fight for the gospel and fight for the souls of men and women and children that live. Like the greatest issue in our lives isn't this pandemic and challenge in the world today. The greatest issue in our lives is that men and women that live next to us, that live behind us, that work with us, that are in our families, men and women, boys and girls, right now are living in their sin. And if they don't repent of their sin, they're going to spend eternity apart from Jesus Christ. That's the crisis in the world today. There's none greater. That is man's greatest need. And the warfare that goes on, the difficulty that's challenged, it diverts us and distracts us, takes us off course. So what happens? Paul comes and he strengthens and he exhorts. And what did he exhort? He exhorted you to continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. Yes, you continue with the Lord. Yes, you continue in the grace of God. And yes, you continue in the faith. This word means, it's the same word that's used in John 15 to describe abiding in Christ. I want you to abide in the faith. Remember we learning in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God. The proper response to pain and suffering is to keep moving forward, continuing in the faith. Continuing in the faith, making spiritual progress. Come back to Acts chapter 11. Because you combine these together, it's so beautiful. In Acts chapter 11, the church is growing. It's not a time of difficulty as much as it's a time of spiritual growth. But you know, spiritual growth is also a time of warfare. Spiritual growth is a time of pushback. Do you think for a moment that the devil's happy with your spiritual growth? With the fact that your marriage is still hanging on? with the fact that you are willing to pray over your kids? Do you think that all of the world's gonna be happy about that? That the devil's gonna be happy about that? Do you think right now that the devil's happy that we're gathered together in this room? Not at all. There's a nefarious plot even now in the spiritual realm to divide us, to distract us, to, to completely destroy us. And what do we choose? I'm gonna continue on in the faith. You can plot all you want. You can do whatever you want. I'm not gonna waste my time with that. I trust the Lord with my life. And so I'm going to focus on what's in front of me and to do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to choose, and I'm going to encourage you to choose, to continue on in the faith. The church is growing here. And notice, the hand of the Lord was with them, verse 21. A great number believed, turned to the Lord. The news of, these, of this came to the ears of the church, so they sent Barnabas. When he came, he saw. Listen, people can see the grace of God. As much as they can see ungraciousness and unloveliness, people can see grace and love too. They can see it. It is obvious that, that the church would be known like Jesus said. They we're known, it can be seen, it can be felt by our love for one another. It's obvious. The presence of love and the absence of love. So notice, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and he encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. It takes a real purpose of heart to live the Christian life. Like Daniel. Remember Daniel faced with, not only was he stolen and kidnapped, but now he's brought into the king's family and he's going to be brainwashed and going to be changed. And he's, they're forcing him to live like all the heathens and the pagans. And, and Daniel says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And what does it say in Daniel chapter 1? It says that he purposed in his heart 
that he wouldn't defile himself with the king's delicacies. He had to make an internal decision, one that nobody would really know about. This was a decision between him and the Lord. He made an internal purpose decision to follow the Lord. And let me just say, when you make a purposed internal decision to follow the Lord, you will face opposition. You, you will face a hostile world. There has never been a time in the history of man where the world has completely agreed with the church. Never. Never so much so that even if you feel like the world's starting to agree with the church, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, don't love the world. That's what the Bible says. Don't love the world. Because if you love the world, John says, the love of the Father is not in you. There's only a choice. You love God or you love this world and its systems. And this world has its own culture. It has its own systems. You will never please this world. This world is hostile to the message of the gospel, which makes trials even more difficult. That's why a lot of people, they compromise because they don't want to deal with the world coming against them. It's worth the world coming against you to not compromise. It's worth it. You can stand for what is true and what is right and what is whole in love without compromise. This, the world's hostile. The government's hostile. The system is hostile. It doesn't matter what kind of bone they throw us, as I mentioned. It doesn't matter. We need to learn to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. And then we love our neighbors ourselves. Number two, not only will the world come against you, but secondly, your flesh will come against you. you know, a lot of times we're blaming everybody and everything for our problems, but the greatest, your greatest problem is not the government, not the world, not the economy, none of that. Your greatest problem is you and your flesh. My greatest problem is not you, not Marie, not all the problems I have in my life. My greatest problem is me and my flesh, my pride my arrogance, my unwillingness to surrender to God and to trust him with my life. That's my problem. And the flesh begins to rise up when you make a concerted effort to follow God. When you say, you know, I want to continue in the Lord. I have been on my heels. I have been overwhelmed. I have been going backwards. I'm ready to go forward. Yes, pastor. Well, you can expect that all hell will break loose because that's your third problem, the devil. It's not just your flesh. It's not just your unwillingness to obey. It's not just the system that we live in, the culture that we're in, but there's a real devil. Nobody ever questions that the devil hates God and is contrary to God. Nobody. Nobody's, oh, no, maybe, maybe the devil likes God. No, it's always obvious that there's good and evil. But a lot of people question whether, whether their flesh is a problem. A lot of people question whether the government's a problem or the systems of the world are a problem and culture. No, I can accommodate culture and we can play around in culture. Whole pulpits have abandoned the word of God because they think they can mix with the culture. You'll never be able to mix with the culture, never. And your flesh will never be able to please God. Did you know that? <laughs> you have to die to your flesh so you can live to Christ. And then what does the devil do? He's very shrewd. He uses the world to provoke your flesh, and then he backs off, and you take it from there. And the Lord is calling you to continue on with purpose of heart. God is calling you, church, to continue on with purpose of heart. Living the life of a believer following Jesus is more than an emotional decision, more than just, well, I think I'll follow God this week. I think I'll... No, it, is a, it requires a purposed commitment 
of surrender. That you are following Jesus by denying yourself. That you don't become a part of this angry, divisive world that we're in. And you know, a lot of what's coming out of many believers today is simply a response of trying to gain some kind of control in a world that's out of control. But the way to gain control is not by taking things into your own hands. We learn that as a church as we study verse by verse through the life of David. We don't, we don't, we don't have a settled peace in our hearts by trying to gain control and scream and yell and make our points known. The way that control comes into our lives is by yielding our control to the one who's sovereign. You see, only the believer can say and believe, and only the follower of Christ can hold on to this truth that God is working all things together for the good, that nothing is wasted by God, that even the pain that you're in right now is used by God for his eternal purposes. I know we may not see it, we may not understand it, we may not know yet the full scope of what God's doing in our lives, but we know by faith that he's at work in our lives. And I don't want you to depart I want you to continue on. This exhortation was necessary because there are many people who start the Christian walk with great zeal and great fervor, but as time goes on, the love for the things of the Lord begins to grow cold. They begin to develop like the Laodiceans. They become lukewarm. I mean, this whole scenario has helped people. And again, maybe you're watching right now, you're listening, and you've got to hear this. You have created bad habits spiritually. You're trying to accommodate this tr great trial that you're in. And it's just time to repent and come back. And I don't just mean come back to a room. By now you know that. This room is symbolic. This room is preparatory. This room is to equip you and to strengthen you and to help you for the life that you live outside of this room. So when I say come back, I don't mean just to this room, but this might be the thing. You might need to come back right now. And you're like, hey, I've just got bad habits in my life. Maybe you've been here but you've got bad habits in other places. I mean, this is a time, church, during crisis that you read the Bible more, not less. This is a time in crisis where you're praying more, not less. This is a time in crisis where you're eating less. You go, Ed, what do you mean? And fasting more, as unto the Lord. Remember the, the battle in the spiritual realm when they came back? Jesus told his disciples, hey, these don't come out except by prayer and fasting. And it may be time. No, and not maybe time. It is time for many of you to proclaim a fast. You go, Ed, well, proclaim a church-wide fast. I just did. Fast. <laughs> and fast unto the Lord. You don't need me to walk alongside of you. Do it as unto the Lord. And then don't tell anybody. Just tell us what God did. Don't walk around and go, oh yeah, Ed, I fasted and all I'm drinking is water. I'm so parched. What's wrong? Oh, I'm just fasting unto God. Oh, man. You should be strong and vibrant because God will give you the strength greater than food would ever give you as unto the Lord. Look, it's time to continue on, church. No longer on our heels. I don't want you to fall away. I don't have time to develop it now, but with Demas, remember, we have an example with Demas who started out so strong. He was a fellow laborer strong in the Lord. That's how he's described in Philemon chapter 1. 
But then you fast forward about three years, Demas is mentioned again by Paul in Colossians, but he's just mentioned as Demas, nothing else. Then you fast forward another six years in their life. So about 10 years it took him from starting out strong to finally in 2 Timothy chapter 4. What does it say about Demas? Demas has forsaken me. Demas has forsaken me, the Bible says, having loved this present world. I don't want that to happen to you. Now, it may not happen to you like Demas, just completely turning your back on the Lord and walking away and going back to the world. But you can deny the Lord day by day, moment by moment, post by post, action by action, email by email. Don't develop a habit of denying the Lord. Develop a habit of surrender. Surrender. Give up finally. Trust the Lord even though the world's going crazy upside down. Of course. God is getting people's attention. He's using these circumstances. You think, if you read the Bible, as we do, and study it, you know, you know that things are going to get worse, not better, closer to the coming of the Lord. Yeah, there might be pockets of revival, and praise God, we're looking for it. We're evangelizing. We know. We love the Lord coming back. But as you read the scriptures, we spent seven or eight weeks teaching you, just not too long ago, how to understand the times. That things are getting more perilous, more difficult, more dark, not better. And it requires a resolute faith on your part, no matter what you're facing, to make it through. I don't want to see you start out so well and then see you fall away. I've been seeing a lot of that because I've been going through old pictures of my time in ministry here for the last 21 years almost now. And I'm coming across pictures where, man, I was serving with guys and their families and they're, they're not even walking with the Lord anymore. I saw a couple of pictures of guys that actually had oversight here and leadership for a while that are full-blown atheists right now. There's other people that have served here and had great, they were on staff here, had great responsibility, and all they want to do is tear down the ministry and tear down people and tear down, like, they were encouraging. They were up here, the people you would pray with. They don't do that anymore. What happened? What happened? They forgot that the greatest thing in life is to serve the Lord. They forgot that the greatest thing in life is to surrender our lives to be used to build up and to strengthen, not to tear down and divide. And like Demas, they've forsaken the Lord. Like Demas, they're no longer walking with the Lord. And so Barnabas is saying to purpose in your heart that you need to continue with the Lord. Now, in the old King James, the worship team can come up now. In the old King James, the word for continue is actually translated cleave. We don't use that word very much anymore. But what Paul, what Barnabas is encouraging them to do is to cleave to the Lord. Isn't that great? It's the same phrase we would use in a wedding ceremony where we teach the couple that they need to leave their mother and father and what? Cleave to one another. That's what Barnabas is saying. If you're going to make it in trials, you're going to make it in difficulties, you're going to make it in, then you need to learn how to cleave to the Lord, not to let go in any way. This is no time to turn to the left or to the right. It's time to cleave, to stay strong, to to stick close, to abide in Christ. And we know that, that even in our weak element, you go, man, I'm so tired, it's so hard, I can't even hold on. Well, we know in the Bible that the Bible teaches us, Jesus told us that nobody can snatch us out of the Father's hands. So you're cleaving, but he's cleaving because he loves you as a dad and he cares for you. And the key for us is getting back to simplicity the simplicity of abiding in Jesus, trusting him, obeying him. And the word of the Lord for us today is don't quit. It's time to continue on. 
get up. You've been beat up. You've been left for dead. It's nobody's helping you. Everybody's forsaking you. It's too much. It's over my head. I can't take it anymore. What am I supposed to do, Ed? Get up and get back and continue with the Lord. Because you'll go down again. And the Lord says, get up. Get up. And so today, as we end in worship, I want you to respond to what God's telling you. Some of you, greatly convicted today. I want you to respond in repentance. Some of you, greatly angry. You came in angry, and I just put you over the top. Well, surrender that anger unto the Lord. There's no need to be angry. God loves you. There's no need to be all upset. Anger's just a control motion, and God is not intimidated by your anger. Maybe you have a real reason to be angry. Maybe you're angry without sin. You bring that to the Lord. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Let him take that edge away from you. Maybe you sent something or posted something that you regret. Lay that before the Lord and don't do it anymore. Perhaps it's time to reach out to a neighbor. Maybe there's someone that's been hanging out with church and, and they've been using reasons and excuses. Well, I don't like the mask. Well, just tell them, yeah, man, you get used to it. You need to be in church. Well, I don't like the distance. You'll get used to it. And you know what? Afterwards, I'll go take you for a piece of pie and we'll just go fellowship together. And you'll be the church. Let the world be the world. Let the church be the church. And let's take this time in our city for a time of harvest. It's a time of harvest. All the seeds have been planted and watered over the years. This is the time to go get them. And they'll get back in. And so we come back we're encouraged, but then the Lord's calling us out. So in this time up here, you have this area up here. You can use it. Don't worry about getting up. Uh, you know, don't worry about moving around. You can move around. You can stand. You can sit. You can come up and kneel before the Lord. Uh, there's still some space and chairs. You can kneel where you're at. But I want you to engage with the words of the songs. If you don't know the songs, pay attention to the words. Let them soak in. These have been this was something, like I said, when I came back with a word from the Lord, God had already spoke to Pastor Ian, so he's already been meditating about these songs, and this is for you. This is God's gift to you, church. This is God's gift to you. Even if you closed your laptop already, but it didn't turn off all the way, and you can still hear my voice, open it up. Come back in. Let's worship the Lord. You ready, church? Let's do it. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.